Hi, thanks for listening to our sermon podcast, Second on the Mount. I'm George Anderson, minister at Second Presbyterian in Roanoke, Virginia. I do not take it for granted that people sit in the pews on Sunday morning or listen to these podcasts hoping to hear something that connects them to God, to each other, to the world. And so I spend hours seeking the right word for the right time and said in the right way. I welcome your feedback. I encourage your sharing this sermon with anyone it might benefit. And I hope you'll return to this podcast again or come visit us for worship. We'd be happy to have you. Let us pray. Most gracious God, we ask that as the word is enacted and read and proclaimed, it's your word for our lives that we hear and hearing obey. Amen. I've been thinking, the email said. You know, when an email starts that way, I get nervous. Sometimes what someone is thinking is nowhere near my thinking. And sometimes what someone else is thinking leads to my working. But this time, the thinking lined up. Bob Martin's email read my mind. Bob is serving on the session, and at its meeting this past Wednesday, we talked about how folks are beginning to feel safe enough to come back to church. And I am so happy about that. Of course, I remain happy that so many people continue to worship online. Hi, Mom and Dad. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. But I love seeing new and familiar faces on Sunday mornings and having more voices join in on hymns like Holy, Holy, Holy. And to hear that soprano desk cant, we should sing that more often. However, I do think that these past two years has given us an opportunity to reflect on the meaning and value of so many things we do as a people of faith, such as observing the Sabbath. To that end, we've invited Reverend Howard Dudley to come as our evening Bible school speaker. He's going to preach on Picnic Sunday, and he's going to speak here in the sanctuary Monday through Wednesday evening. You're going to love this guy. Outstanding preacher, teacher, and musician. Big personality. A lot of fun to be around. And I was going to wait on Howard to speak on keeping the Sabbath, but I read something when I was away on continuing education that I want to share with you. This year, my seminary study group met to read and discuss a book by Walter Brueggemann called Delivered into Covenant. Brueggemann's insight lined up with what I was thinking and what Bob was thinking when he sent his email. But before I share what Brueggemann and Bob had to say, listen to what the book of Exodus has to say. First from Exodus 10, and I'm going to start at verse 24 and end with verse 27. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go worship the Lord only. Your flocks and herds shall remain behind. Even your children may go with you. But Moses said, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings to sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must choose some of them for the worship of the Lord our God and we will not know what to use to worship the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was unwilling to let them go. Now this from Exodus 31, and I'm going to start with verse 16. Therefore the Israelites shall keep the Sabbath 
observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. The word of the Lord. Those of you who work, on what condition can a personal day be taken? Does it need to be justified? Does it need to be a good excuse, a funeral, a child's graduation, a doctor's appointment? Is taking a day for your own personal reasons an option? Now, different places of employment have different policies, and there may be good reason to ask for a good reason from an employee who is asking for a day. But someone recently suggested to me that if a reason is needed to be given, perhaps the day should be called excused absence day rather than a personal day. Much of Exodus is why the command to observe the Sabbath is so critical to the worship and life of the people of God. On the seventh day, rest, we are told. Just as God rested on the seventh day, so too are we to cease from our labors and worship God. Which brings me to the insight from Brueggemann that struck me. He says that the Hebrew word, nefresh, is translated too weakly as rest or refresh. A better translation, he says, is to be made a person again. It is to be repersoned. I read this and I thought, perfect. Is there a better way to consider the Sabbath as it is meant to be? Six days we spend working, being judged and measured by what we do, but on that seventh day, we remember to pause and remember who we are over what we do, that we are God's children, that we are loved for who we are. Now, Brueggemann made this observation as he was talking about a section from Exodus that includes the two passages I read. In the first, the Exodus 10 passage, Pharaoh and God, through the intermediary, that is Moses, are in the middle of negotiations about Hebrew slaves taking a personal day. Moses has stopped calling for Pharaoh to simply let my people go and now is asking just for a day for the slaves to walk out from under Pharaoh's watch and supervision so that they can worship God. Pharaoh at first refused, but God's counter-offers of plagues has softened the Pharaoh's position. He then said, well, you can go, only leave your children behind. That didn't work. Now he says, they can take their children, but leave the cattle and flocks behind. I am reminded of the early industrial age when workers were valued mostly for their production. Child labor, long work days, unpaid sick days, little to no time off, no help for retirement. There was many a situation where workers to stay employed had to both provide for and neglect their families at the same time. Negotiations on their behalf eventually led to many of the labor laws that we have today. Well, on the service, Moses is negotiating on behalf of workers, pushing for slaves to have the freedom of a day, a day not to work but to rest, one day not to obey Pharaoh but to worship God. Pharaoh's no fool, though. 
If he has to give the slaves a day, he wants to be sure that they know it's a day on loan. What's the point of slaves if they have their own day anyway? Pharaoh is being forced to consider alternatives, but he was fine with there their being ceaseless production to his benefit. A slave system that depends on depleted slaves who work productively, but who do not have enough sense of self to resist is just fine with him. And let's be honest. What's really at stake here is whether these slaves will ever be truly free. What is really being negotiated here is a cover story, a reason for slaves to simply leave, and a reason for the Pharaoh to say that they escaped. But Pharaoh doesn't want that. He wants his slaves back. Now, I think you know that the Pharaoh doesn't win. The day comes when the slaves cross the Nile and their Egyptian pursuers are drowned. Once free in the wilderness, Moses stops being the negotiator and becomes the command giver. Remembering that God rested on the Sabbath, remembering that they were once slaves who had no value except for what they produced, he tells them they are to take a day once a week to remember who they are and to whom they owe thanks for their freedom. I won't go into the Exodus 31 passage too much, except to point out that if you take some time with it, and with other Exodus passages about the Sabbath, you'll find that the Sabbath is about interruption, protest, and alternative. Interruption. Our lives are not to be endless production, endless doing. In order to be made whole, to be repersoned, as it were, we need to interrupt our schedules to devote time to being instead of doing. Endless production is a violation and contradiction of the order of creation. God is renewed. The earth is renewed. We are renewed by the healing of rest. Protest. When our time is owned or claimed by others, when too many hours are given to work or too much of our attention is absorbed by those who are trying to sell us something or enlist us for something, we start living into the image of what these other voices or forces want us to become. That's the work of idol worship. We become prone to believe lies to accept the world as it's given to us by those who want to manipulate us for their own gain. Worship is an act of fidelity only to God and thus is a declaration that our true selves are not for self. Service, not servitude, is what we have to offer the world. And the one we are serving is the God of justice, of compassion, and of love. And finally, alternative. The liturgy and rest of Sabbath creates this alternative space. It evokes a home that we have with God. It provides a liturgical world that runs counter to the chaos of Pharaoh, the chaos of the wilderness, the chaos of exile, the chaos we sometimes have in life itself, of your life and my life. Even in the barren desert, where finding water and bread are daily concerns, 
A day is to be given, Moses says, to remind the people that life is to rise above survival and is to be lived with the dignity of those who know that they are loved and are called to love. Jesus urges the keeping of the Sabbath for these very reasons. He does this even when standing in opposition to Sabbath worship, liturgy, and rules that serve the needs of the institution rather than the needs of the people. The Sabbath was created for us, not we for the Sabbath, he said. And in saying it, he is insisting that the Sabbath is not to be reduced to religious performance to earn approval. It is to be an event of human making. It is to be a recovery of self, of one's own true self, and the healing and the making of a body that is the community of followers, which Paul calls the body of Christ. This is where Bob's email comes in. He read a quote by Jody. How do you say her last name? You don't know? I don't either. Picoult in which a character in her novel, Wish You Were Here, reflected on many people's sense of loss during the pandemic. Having gone to the Galapagos Islands, Diana O'Toole finds herself quarantined for months, having to pass time that's not hers and living in a place that is not her home. It occurs to her that perhaps most people feel like she feels, robbed, robbed of something or someone. In the most extreme case, it can be because of a death. In less extreme cases, it can be robbed of a graduation or a job or a tradition, a family gathering, a friendship that is the casualty of the stress of the times. O'Toole is freshly reminded how nothing is guaranteed that everything can be yanked away. And reflecting on that quote, Bob wrote, When I read this, it struck me more so than usual that everyone has experienced loss over the past two years, and now more than ever, pile on inflation, market drop, potential recession, war, that's the financial manager coming out, except the war part. Everything's being piled on, and people are now realizing or re-realizing that there is no guarantee tomorrow, which is precisely a reason to come back to church. Corporate worship is rejuvenating, fulfilling, heart-filling. We begin to regain some of the loss and rethread the wounds, assuage the fears. We can experience all over again, perhaps in a renewed way, the love that flows from God through Christ and through us to each other and back again. The full resuscitation of faith begins again. What Bob called the resuscitation of faith, Brueggemann called the remaking of a person. I invite you all, once a week or when you can find it, to take a personal day of rest. But I also invite you to take a reperson day for worship. Find yourself again as God's child and as God's children. Let yourself be reformed and the body of the church formed on a day when we can remember who we are in God's eyes, no matter what's going on in the world or what they're trying to get from us. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.